And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 13 of the Lace Them Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And before we begin, Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to 2016. Happy New Year. Our first edition of the new year. And we got plenty to talk about before we get anywhere, though. Shout out to all the players who wore number 13 in their NHL career, just to name a few. Pavel Datsuk, Mike Camilleri, Ray Ferraro, yes, he wore that number. Andrew Cogliano, Johnny Gaudreau, of course. (laughs) Bill Guerin, Alex Goligoski, when he was with Pittsburgh, he wore number 13. Kevin Hayes, Ole Jokinen, Pavel Kabina, former Senator Peter Regan, he wore number 13 with Ottawa. Alex Alex Tangay. Alexander Semen, who wore that number one at the Habs during his brief stint. Patrick Stefan, arguably the biggest number one bust of all time. <laughs> Ray Whitney, and who can forget the ageless wonder team of Solani. Uh, oh, yeah. Number 13 with the old Winnipeg Jets. So, uh, before we get to, to our first topic, um, just wanted to tell you what you are going to hear in this podcast. Of course, the World Juniors. Um, some guy asked for a trade while another guy is named captain to one of the all-star teams and probably not the first (laughs) guy on your, uh, list of all-star captains. Uh, before we get to that, we're going to talk about the winter classic. And since Brett Dubois, Boston Bruins were in the middle of all that, I'll let him start off. Yeah, it's, um, it's not a great day for both of our teams, you, my Boston Bruins, your uh, Team Canada teams, but uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to get to Ben at some point. <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, the, uh, it was certainly disappointing for me. I was, as if you were listening to last week's episode, where I was just like, can't wait to see it. I was looking forward to the documentary where the Habs were struggling and the Bruins were doing so well. And then uh, the Bruins play the Senators, Brad Marchand, which was an ugly game. Um, I mean, for in terms of physicality, where we we woke up finally. But uh, Brad Marchand uh, kind of cross-checked uh, Barwecki or whatever his name is. Borowiecki. Yeah. Borowiecki. I, I think it was it was the kneeing incident there. He took took him out from underneath or whatever. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just setting. I think, it, I think that's what yeah. gave him the suspension there. I'm just setting you guys up here. So yeah. So anyways, Marshawn. It's obvious. I'm, I'm, I'm not detesting that Marshawn shouldn't have gone suspended. It's just unfortunate that this was the last game before the Winter Classic. So he's gonna miss. Uh, he misses three games. And guess uh, when he returns? Um, Against Ottawa. Yep, on uh, January 9th. Uh, he's going to play again on January 9th against Ottawa. But uh, anyway, so we didn't have Marshawn. Uh, Krejci is still injured. Pasternak went to the Czech Republic instead, even though he probably could have played on the AHL team. He may have been able to play for the Winter Classic if he wasn't in um, Finland. And then, um, and we also sent down our like best defenseman, best young defenseman, uh, Colin Miller. Uh, to the AHL for some reason. Mm. What, so, is it Colin Miller or Kevin Miller? I know there are two Millers. Yeah, yeah. Well, we always we call uh, Kevin Miller is called Killer, um, and uh, Colin Miller is called Chiller. 
Uh, Colin Miller is like the guy we got in the Lucic trade. Kevin Miller is the guy who's just he like he's he's not great. Um, he like he hits a lot. I'll give him that, and he um, he's a he's a good fighter too. But he's not like everything else is just bad. So um, so but Cla- like this, I I have no complaints with Claude except for. The fact that he seems to rely on this killer guy way too much um, when he should be putting in uh, younger guys like Trotman and Colin Miller um, instead. I mean, I guess I understand it because he has a history of putting in the veteran guys instead. I think Kevin Miller is like 29 or something. Uh, what was that? I'm hearing like a vacuum sound or something. All right, well, whatever. Um, I'll ignore it. Um, and then... Uh, it's on my computer, I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and, um, but anyways, uh, I'm, I'm just getting off on a tangent. Anyway. Anyways, so we don't have those guys. Krejci and Marshawn especially are very critical to our team success, especially this year. So yeah. it was... Um, so... So yeah, we were missing our two key guys, uh, like, and then when you were watching the gameplay, we were just just terrible. Like the only good player who um, who seemed to give a damn was uh, Tuka Rask, and it's just unfortunate because you know um, because we everyone was watching. Um, so and then um, and then with that also the Habs got Brandon Gallagher back. Um, yeah. and he, you know, he Remember proved... Remember when I told you off the air, I'm just like, okay, Marshawn's getting suspended. You, it would be just fitting if Gallagher returns. Sure yeah, yeah, of course. There he is. Of course. So, um... That's his old self, too. Yeah, so, like, you know, I was all excited about it. I even watched, <laughs> I even watched, like, the 2001 Game 7 highlights on YouTube for, um, the Habs Bruins game. I mean, when I say 2001, I mean 2011. Um, with uh, Nathan Horton OT goal, and uh, yeah. just to like get myself psyched even more, um, and then I start watching the game, and I'm like, uh, um, but um, and everyone remembers where Nathan Horton is now. <laughs> yeah, he's in uh, Toronto now. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, not playing at all. Um, and uh, yeah, but like the alumni game was fun. Uh, or uh, was fun. Um. It was interesting seeing like guys like Sergey Samsonov play with guys like Ray Bork and uh, Cam Neely and stuff. And forget uh, that Chris Nyland in the shootout. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they put. I don't know why they put Nyland in the shootout. That that didn't make sense to me. But it was cool that Bork got the uh, yeah, that goal. Made me smile. Um, yeah. So I mean, in terms of in terms of the Bruins overall and the Habs overall. Um, I mean, the Bruins just need to get Marshawn and Krejci back. Um, I mean, it's it's the East is the Atlantic is so close now, so it's like every point matters basically. So we need to get out of the funk. I'm actually going to Tuesday's night game against the Capitals, so I'm hoping that yeah, um, that's gonna be a tough test. Um, we'll see. Uh, the, I know that the Capitals are have lost two straight, so I'm. I'm kind of hopeful, but uh, I'm not, I don't know if, um, if it will happen or not. 
But um, yeah, so it wasn't um, exactly fun from a Bruins pr- fan's perspective. But I'm sure you had a grand old time too. Oh uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's like from from a normal fan's standpoint when you don't have any kind of emotional attachments. Well, to for you, any of, any of the yeah. teams like this. This game had pretty much everything you could ask for in in a winter classic. Um, like. It had plenty of passion. The fans were getting into it. 67,000 strong packed uh, Gillette Stadium to watch cool. it. And it, and according to what I heard uh, from the folks at CBC there, um, unlike the 2014 Winter Classic where half the fan base was Leafs fans and the other half was Red Wing fans, a good chunk of them were Bruins fans. Yeah, so I hear that pretty, too. It was a pretty pro-Boston crowd. There were a lot of Canadians fans, but you could tell uh, based on – you know, the team colors that people were wearing, where, where Allegiance sided as far as the crowd goes. Yeah, um, I heard it was Abs, like 20 percent. did a good job of taking them out of the game early. Like, they, they got an early goal in the first period, an early goal in the second period. And in the first 25 minutes or so, like you said, if it wasn't for Tuka, Boston has no chance of coming back or even have a shot. The shots were like 21-5 to 5 favoring Montreal. It was, it was that lopsided. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, like, yeah, our first two periods, the Bruins looked uh, dead, basically. Like, they didn't, like, it was like a warm-up for them, I guess. And then, and then once they started, once they scored that one goal, you had that feeling that, oh, maybe they'll come back, and then the Habs scored, like, another one. So, it was just bad. Um, Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Speaking of, speaking of which, like, that three to one goal that got the Bruins back into it, there was a chance in the final seconds of the second period where Ryan Spooner's a chance from the right slot to get the Bruins uh, on the board and some early uh, and some early momentum going into the third period. And out of nowhere, Mike Condon, right place, right time, snags it with his glove. If that goal goes in, I think that changes. I don't know if that changes the outcome of the game itself, but it certainly changes. Um, how we see things going into the third period. Instead, the Habs are still up 3 nothing, and Mike Condon stepped up when he had to. Yeah, yeah, Condon looked good. Um, Gallagher looked good. Uh, Pacioretty, I mean, all of them looked good. All the Habs players looked good. So. But, Paul um, Byron, too. And yeah. Ottawa boy, he scored two goals, including the game winner. Yeah, that was the one bright spot was uh, Condon is a uh, local boy yeah. um, in Boston. Yeah, so much so. time by the Patriots, too, apparently. Yeah, he had... His helmet had Belichick and um, do your job on the goalie mask. So that was cool to see. And apparently Belichick and Brady, I think, signed his mask yeah. afterwards or something like yeah, that. Um, I'll sell for a lot on eBay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, I mean, obviously it's it stinks that he's a Habs guy and he beat the Bruins. But, I mean, I guess it's, like, good, good for him at least. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah. it was definitely sad for me, but well, whatever. I'm, it, like, I don't like want to, it, it, it had good goaltending and had passion. Yeah. The pace of the game was incredible too. Yeah. And it seemed the odd skirmish was, after the whistle, like even the national anthems were very well done. Um, <laughs> the only complaint I would have had, they didn't play sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond at any point. In the yeah. Game. Yeah. That was bad but too. If, if that, Apparently the only thing you have to complain about, you know, you've done a good job. Well, I don't know if, uh, 
I, I thought you were going to complain about the way the Simple Plan did the Canadian National Anthem. I thought they did okay, actually. I mean, I, I, I kind of... I thought it was done all right. I, I, like when, uh, I like when people do something that's different than the ordinary. So I liked yeah. how they made it into... I guess I kind of made it... Like how they made it into a rock anthem yeah. instead, but it's still a little weird because it's like, yeah. you know, it's Canada. It's like an actual national anthem. Um, and then, um, yeah, I also wish they had uh, Dropkick Murphys, though. Um, yeah. That would have yeah, been cool. They, 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 like, out of all the Boston bands, yeah. like, Dropkick Murphys is probably one of my favorites. Uh, I'm disappointed that. They didn't or even, like Aerosmith like, or like something. during the intermissions or anything like that? Yeah, they didn't, no. Wow. Well, they Maybe had... because they had them in 2010 or something when they were hosting the Flyers. Well, no, apparently, I think... Uh, uh, yeah, I was reading on some Bruins site that the, the one of the Dropkick Murphys members said uh, he wrote... Um, he said that, like, they wanted to... Um, like they were asked by the NHL to do it, but they wanted him. To, they wanted them to do a duet with the guy from Fun. Um, oh, Nate Ruiz, yeah. Yeah. So, the, uh, but they didn't want to do that because it's like uh, it's all different. <laughs> I don't think that would have worked. Okay. So, um, and I think it's just At least NBC. They were snubbed. They were, yeah. They were asked to attend. Yeah, okay. of course. Um, and then um, NBC didn't allow Rene Rencourt. Um, yeah. That was bad. I mean, I, the, the voice guy... The, voice, though, the winner of the voice, though, in all due respect, he did a great job. Yeah, he did do a good job, but I felt like the music should have done, should have been better. I mean, it wasn't that great last year either, so it's not like a just a, like a Boston thing, but I feel like NBC's trying to get like people who aren't hockey fans interested, but I don't uh, think that's, that's true too. And I just, it, I don't, I don't think you're doing it that way. You're not doing yeah. it with simple plan. And I don't even remember who and, they and have. I, I can understand that too, but yeah, yeah. how can you snub Rene Rancourt though? Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, so, but yeah, so that was annoying for me, from my perspective, of course, I was also annoyed by the game Again, too. Again, I'm picking so. a, a part of the little things, which is good. Like that means the game. Has I mean, I'm good. I'm picking. I mean, I should be picking apart everything because, like, um, <laughs> right. but like, losing, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, it's something that if you've watched like a Bruins Habs games in the last three years, that's like basically what's what's been going on. Um, the Habs just know how to beat us, and they have our number. Um, Regardless of if they have Carey Price or not, um, but yeah, and, so and you can tell at the, at the end of the game, like even though the score was five to one, you know that they were still getting yeah. at each other, and and, I, and, and, yeah. and that's and that's kind of like what what kind of really defines rivalry, even on a stage like the Winter Classic, and they're yeah. still going at each other after <laughs> the game. Like that's a real rivalry right there. True, that's true. a real nasty rivalry. Yeah, I mean, I was with you too. Like I feel like the speed of the game was much. Uh, which much faster and other, um, compared to other other outdoor games. So, uh, that was cool too. So that brings us to the next one. Our next kind of topic, sort of topic, um, is the, what's going, what's going to happen in our 2017, what's going to be the 2017 stadium for the winter classic. Um, I was thinking it makes sense to have St. Louis, uh, with Bush stadium, um, we had a pull out for our lace em up Twitter. Um, let me just get it up. 
we had so I have I had uh, three options for us. Um, one was the Bush Stadium. One was I wasn't a Yankee Stadium. I had Jerry World in the Cowboys Stadium. AT&T Stadium, yeah. AT&T Stadium. Um, uh, so 41 per- we got 32 votes in. 41% said Bush Stadium. 13% said Yankee Stadium. Uh, 9% said Jerry World. And 37 said Others. Uh, then we got, we also got some comments too. Um, I, I didn't want to, I wanted to avoid Canada just because I felt like that's not going to happen because it's, yeah. this game, the Winter Classic's more to get the U.S. fans specifically, um, interested, not because Canada is going to watch no matter what. Um, but, um, so one of them has like a joke one with, in Belize, and then another one has them in Toronto in their Century Field, in there in the CFL, I guess. Uh, but um, well, the BMO Field is probably what you're talking yeah. about, uh, home of the Toronto C Major League Soccer franchise. Yeah, he says BMO Field. Yeah. Yeah, they're undergoing renovations right now to upgrade their stadium capacity, as the CFL's Toronto Argonauts will also be playing in that building as of this summer, assuming all the Renos are done without any major setbacks, and. With the Argos slated to host the 104th Great Cup this coming November, which is basically Canada's equivalent to the Super Bowl, the stadium will have to be ready soon. The main question now is how many people can the revamped stadium hold? And I should mention that this stadium opened in 2007, so it's not that old to begin with. Uh, now, I can't recall the exact number. Let's say anywhere from twenty to 30,000 people this revamped stadium can hold. Yeah. That's roughly how many people you will see at a CFL game. If you want to see more people, though, Roger Center is ultimately the closest thing you're going to get. Unfortunately, the Argonauts were, on some nights, playing in front of a crowd that didn't even come close to the average CFL total. That was just under 25,000 fans in 2015. Guess what their average attendance was in 2015? Um, a lot. <laughs> Less than 15,000. Wow. So that's the kind of crowd they're going to get in the home of the Toronto Blue Jays. It's tough to make the argument that the Rogers Center would be a better venue than BMO Field. So for that reason, the Rogers might fall flat in the running for this time. Well, isn't isn't Rogers Center in um, indoors? Well, no, it has a retractable roof, so Uh, it it would give it that outdoor feel. Oh, right, right. This has been around since the late 80s. Right, right. So it's not exactly like a Jerry's World state-of-the-art, you know, yeah. average building kind of deal. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about Toronto is, and I just mentioned it before, or anywhere in Canada, is just that I don't think, like, um, Joe Schmo from Kansas City is going <laughs> to be watching this. I mean, they may not be watching it anyways, but I don't think they're... They're definitely not going to be watching it if it's, like, in Toronto or somewhere. Well, yeah, and, and I, I think the capacity thing is, is a bit of an issue, too, because you look at the attendance yeah. records for, for some of the other winter classics, like, the like for example, the Ottawa Senators, uh, they they were considering um, hosting the event at TD Place, which is basically uh, a downtown arena where they um, basically started in their infancy before the one in Canada, Ontario was built. Yeah. Um, and it's completely revamped. It's it can hold uh, twenty to twenty five, maybe thirty thousand people. And 
the, the new CFL team that they got, the Ottawa Red Blacks, like they were selling games like crazy. So no doubt that the interest is there. But again, if they wanted to host a Winter Classic in Canada, Montreal would have been one of the first to do it by now. And they haven't even been talked about yet. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think, the, like you said, the more likelier choice is an American venue. Um, yeah. I, I, was, I was thinking Go. about Minnesota because, and the reason I say Minnesota, I know they're getting um, an outdoor game uh, this year, uh, but they're getting um, a state-of-the-art NFL stadium in Minnesota, the, the new home of the Minnesota Vikings. And I hear it's supposed to be very, very good. Oh, cool. So ultimately, that's probably where they would have it if they, if they had the Winter Classic. Yeah. But you I mentioned mean, Bush Stadium. That makes a lot more sense because St. Louis hasn't hosted an outdoor game, not to mention a Winter Classic. Right. And and that would totally make sense because they well, have yeah. the fan base. That was the reason why I picked them in the poll. And I didn't. I would have put in Minnesota, too. They, they were on my mind, too. But I wasn't um, – because I knew that they were going to have an outdoor game later this year. So I didn't want to um, – I don't, I don't think they would do it twice in a row like that. I mean, they yeah. had it at Fenway Park and then Gillette Stadium, but I don't think they would have it that close together, outdoor games that close together. And um, Colorado's hosting one uh, this year as well. They're hosting yeah. Detroit, aren't they? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Coors Field. Okay. It so might be in the Broncos right. Stadium, though, or wherever. I forget what that's called. Mile High Stadium, I think. Yeah, uh, um, either Mile High Stadium in Denver, home of the Broncos, or yeah. Coors Field, home of the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I then um, I was thinking maybe like just well, off the air we were talking about maybe like New York, the Yankee Stadium or City Field, even though yeah, they've, they've hosted two. Stadiums, yeah, Yankee Stadium has, but not City Field yet. Um, not City Field though. Yeah, yeah. That, that could be that could be on the table. Yeah. Um, and then other things that would be kind of which could work if we're talking about like historic. Uh, stadiums, but they're not in cold places. So, like uh, the 49ers place in like um, Levi Stadium, although that's not really historic um, <laughs> to say. Um, it and they've already had one too, but um, that would be a place to go to. Although they might be busy with the Rose Bowl and whatnot. Um, and then, um, and then there was another one which was uh, Miami Stadium, but that may be too warm as well. Um, also, I was thinking Jerry World, just because it's the state-of-the-art well, stadium. Well, it's probably one of the most state-of-the-art stadiums, and Dallas, yeah. the Dallas Stars are probably one of the more appealing teams Exactly. On well, that's and what I was thinking. you're going to get out of them, but I'd rather go to a, dip, a bunch of different other places, because Jerry's World's always going to be there. True. And also, I think they, they'll host a college football game that's going to be happening yeah, at that time, too. So, um, uh, What do you think of these two off-the-map choices? What do you think of the National Predators getting an outdoor game? Not not say in 2017, but down the road. Well, like, like where? There's, there's there's Nissan Stadium, the current home of the Tennessee Titans, okay. built in 1999. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Nashville seems to be a, like a good place for that. I can see that. Depending on how this All Star game goes, yeah, I think it, I think it could say a lot. Um, how about the Columbus Blue Jackets hosting a game at Ohio Stadium, home of the Buckeyes? Uh, their football program, tons of history there, and you won't have any shortage of seats because this thing can sit over a hundred. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Well, what about? I was just thinking. I know that Detroit had. Um, didn't Detroit just recently have one in, they in had Michigan? One in the Big House, in, uh, home of the Michigan uh, Wolverines. Yeah. Right, right. 
So I was thinking maybe like the the Tigers Comerica Park. Um, yeah. That one. I know it's Detroit, but it's the Red Wings. You know, um, yeah. if you want if you want to get like an original six team in, which I can understand that. Um, although, I mean, I, I know people are probably sick of the Blackhawks and the Bruins and the. Um, Although the Rangers have, had, have been Capitals a part of all stadium series, they haven't. Uh, they've uh, they've been in a part of just one Winter Classic, I think. Or what There's about one against, the, one against the Flyers at Citizens Bank Park? There. What about this is really out of the box, but what about like somewhere in like Europe or I don't know, like like London yeah. or something. <laughs> Maybe an exhibition game like they did. Uh, oh yeah, that could work. Yeah. Vegas way, way, way back in the day, in the in the early nineties, between the Rangers and Kings, I think it was. Oh I yeah. Or what about like game. Las Vegas? If you want to get the uh, exhibit, if you want to get people's interest in the ex, uh, in their yeah, Las Vegas new team, probably an exhibition game. But but yeah, I think an outdoor game and or even a game in Las Vegas is definitely a possibility. Yeah. Especially if the thought of expansion is going to keep coming up. Right, that's place. what I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah. Um, Alright, uh, so I guess when, when the news breaks out on when the next uh, when the next Winter Classic is going to be, we'll be the first to let you know. Well, not the first to let you know, we'll talk about it for sure. Yeah. Uh, so then that, that brings us to the World Juniors, mm-hmm. um, where I'll get to gloat. Um, yeah. because, uh, Canada yeah. lost... Listen, my Bruins got even more yeah, embarrassed, I so I, I can't... I need to let something out, you know? Yeah, um, too. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, yeah, so Canada lost, uh, to Finland, um, who, um... Who, by the way, last week we had the poll where we said, like, who is going to win the World Juniors, and I had Finland, and no one picked Finland. I mean, a lot of people picked Canada, so. But, um, yeah, so Canada. people pick Canada every year, though. Canada lost, yeah, that's true. And I I think our Twitter base is very Canada-friendly. So, um, so yeah, Canada's out. Uh, USA uh, looks good. Austin Matthews looks like the real deal. Apparently, he's like a point shy from breaking uh, Jeremy Roenick's World Junior record um, pretty soon. But uh, I'll let you uh, vent because you allowed me to vent. <laughs> just curious. I, I um, yeah, I was looking that up right now. Um, okay. he... You can look that up while I vent about why Canada lost. Oh, wait, I have it now. It's, he's okay. one... <laughs> It's not points, it's he's one, Austin Matthews is one goal away from tying Ronix USA record for most goals at the World USA Tournament. USA record, okay, that explains so it's it. a not, goal, yeah, no, not, not all, not still like. Impressive. Yeah, it's still, still impressive. Yeah, Ronix had eight goals, Matthews currently has seven, with hmm. two goal games to go. Sorry, go on, now, now you can bench. Presumably two games to go, yeah, yeah. at the most two games. Um, but from, from a team standpoint... Uh, for Team Canada, it's been the shortest World Junior tournament since they got bounced from the quarterfinals in 1998. Uh, fittingly, that tournament was held in Helsinki, Finland, the same place this year's tournament was held. In 04, the Canadians fell to the Americans in the gold medal game, uh, where Marc-Andre Fleury was victimized by a bad bounce in the third period. And the rest, as they say, is history for all the wrong reasons for us, all the right reasons for you. Because 
did you guys win a gold medal game at the uh, at the World Juniors prior to that, or was that your first one? Um, I, I thought it your first one actually. Didn't we? I thought we won in like 2013 when we had Goudreau and um, yeah, Gibson. Yeah, you, you did, and then you beat Canada in the gold medal in 2010. But yeah. in 2004, you, you beat us in the gold medal game. I think that was your first gold medal at that tournament. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was also held in Helsinki. Uh, in 1980, the Canadians failed to earn a medal in Helsinki. While the tournament was still in its infancy, mind you, regardless... They were still in need of their first gold medal. Uh, in 1985 and 1990, they won gold in Helsinki, so it's not like they've been forever cursed and a black hat's walking through their dressing room aimlessly cursing them all. Uh, but for whatever reason, this venue seems to cause them some problems, and it did so again. But before we get to the negatives, why don't we talk about the positives for a change? <laughs> Mitch Marner in that third period against Finland was playing out of his mind. Uh, throughout the tournament, he continued to get better. Um... And that third period performance, overlooking that needless penalty after the whistle, was his best of the tournament. Basically, he put the team on his back. He scored twice. Could have easily scored a natural hat-trick the way he was playing. And being a Sens fan, I'm saying this with a bit of tongue-in-cheek, but this guy is going to be a force with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the not-so-distant future. Uh, they need to let him develop, though, and they can't rush him. He's not going to be a Connor McDavid, some guy who's going to immediately step in and take over the league from day one. But he's going to make them significantly better in the long run. He's definitely got the skill and the instinct to take over a game. He's shown that in every level he's playing so far, and he showed it again on Saturday. Uh, Dylan Strom was another guy that impressed me. Had some game-breaking moments. Yeah, um, he was good at least against the um, the U.S. Yeah. game. And that and that uh, game against Switzerland when they were trailing two nothing, he scored that goal from an odd yeah. angle. Um, Call it what you will, an ugly, uh, a lucky shot or, or, a or a precision type aim that fooled the goalie completely. Um, it was just what Canada needed, and that was a game-breaking moment for him. They eventually won that game at, in a shootout, as we all know. Uh, um, Matt Barzell, he really came in and owned the moment. The shootout goal he scored against the Swiss, the goal he scored to give his team a one nothing lead over the U.S. on Boxing Day. This guy was making things happen during the biggest moments of the hockey game. Another clutch performer. And what people might forget about this guy is the fact he was an on-the-bubble forward heading into the final batch of cuts. He made the team, and he most certainly made an impact. Um, Joe Hicketts named Canada's top defenseman at the tournament, and for good reason, because um, of the big moments he had. He got the equalizer against the Swiss. He did a pretty solid job more often than not on the penalty kill. He blocked shots. He dished out the odd big hit every now and then to energize his team. He did everything he possibly could to make them successful. And while he didn't dominate on the score sheet, Travis Konechny of the 67s, he really impressed in other facets of the game. Uh, in that game against Sweden where they where they lost, uh, their final round robin game, um, he absolutely flattened a guy in the first period. That really got the crowd going. He wasn't afraid to throw his rate around, uh, lend some monster hits, as I said, and make no mistake about it, he's not known as a guy who can dish out big hits. He's a goal scorer and a playmaker, and that's why the Flyers drafted him. So if you're if you're a Flyers fanatic, you've got to love what you saw out of him in this tournament. Um, and unlike previous tournaments where goaltending was probably the main issue, Mackenzie Blackwood and Mason McDonald, they didn't play all that bad. Um, granted, there were a couple of plays in the Finland game where Blackwood could have um, maybe done 
a bit better. There were a couple of rebounds that um, went behind him. Um, the third goal was an absolute uh, fluke off off the, the backboard, and they just banked it off him. Um, but they it wasn't the reason why they lost. Um, their, their goaltending wasn't fantastic. It didn't steal any games, but played played good enough to keep the team in it, I thought, at times. Yeah. I, I didn't actually I only watched the um the Canada Switzerland game and then I saw yeah. the um I didn't actually see the Canada Finland game but um it did seem like or from what everyone else is talking about as well is that it did seem like the Canada was playing more like um like hero ball kind of where everyone they weren't yeah. playing as a team they were just trying like they everyone was, to do it all by themselves. yeah, they didn't want to do it by themselves. So yeah, you were mentioning all these players that looked impressive, but they they weren't playing as a team, um, and so that's probably why they didn't <laughs> they didn't do so well. Um, yeah, and the the team play as well. Being a team is it's taking one for the team. It's keeping your cool. It's staying disciplined, and that is what really held them back. And I think it cost them to. A chance to contend for a medal, not just a gold medal, a medal in general. That pre-tournament game against Sweden, for example, it wasn't just a bad day on the ice, unfortunately. It, and it slowly transformed into a bad habit that they just couldn't break in the long runs. And, and, and I can cut Joe Hickett's a bit of slack for his delayed game penalty in the quarterfinals because he lost it from his own end to the other team's net. Yeah. And, it, and it didn't touch the glass. It just went straight through out of play. Like, he probably didn't know his own strength that he could launch it that far and out of play. Yeah. So I, I can cut him a bit of slack there. But I have never... But while you can't control how far or how hard you shoot it in certain circumstances, the easiest thing to control is your temper. And time and time again, Canada failed to do that. Mitch Marner in the third period of the quarterfinal loss against the Finns. Your team has battled back countless times and chase the finished goalie on top of that earlier in the game. Your play in the third period is a big reason for that. Your, de- your team is down by one. They need you to produce. Finland is about to take a penalty. You're about to get a golden opportunity to tie the game. Then after the whistle, you take a few shots. After the play is blown dead, you hit the opposing guy right in the face. You get a retaliation penalty. There goes the power play, and it's 4-on-4 four four hockey for two full minutes instead of a crucial five-on-four man advantage for your team. It's called taking one for the guys and knowing when to back off. And in that particular circumstance, unfortunately, he chose not to back off. And I think that that was the final nail in the coffin there, that penalty by Marner. Uh, if he's on the ice on the power play, uh, especially given the way he was playing in that period, Canada could have easily tied that game instead one of their best players is in the box because of something that he probably shouldn't have done in the first place. Yeah. Um, yeah, I heard that, like, I think, like, Jake Verdinen is being cast as, like, the scapegoat for why they lost, which I don't even know if that's... Not true, yeah. Verdinen, not true. He, he, yeah. he was also at the forefront of one of those. I don't know if, if you saw the play or not. Right. Um, but I feel like I, those... Like if you're gonna sca- like you shouldn't scapegoat these players like they're just teenagers. Oh literally. yeah, they're just they're just teenagers. And it's like and it's not like one person's fault for why they lost. So yeah, um, 
Yeah. I, 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 will, I will admit, though, that Jake Bertan, and for whatever reason, I don't know if he seemed lost or if he was playing hurt or he was just in one massive funk, but for whatever reason, he just he didn't seem like himself. Like, in, in that game, in that game against, uh, against Finland, they have this power play. Uh, they're halfway through it, and um, there's this phantom tripping call. He claims that the Finns stepped on his stick and got tripped up, and, and the ref called it. And and whether or not that's, that's true and whether or not he thought that the ref was wrong and that it canceled out the power play, you got to learn to control your cool because a few seconds later, the Finnish guy looks like he's about to get a partial break and then Vertanen just slashes his stick right out of his hands. He gets called for that, too. And instead of having a power play, he gets two penalties on the same play. Finland gets a power play for about two and a half minutes. And then later in that same penalty kill, Joe Hicketts gets that delayed right. game call. Finland gets a five-on-three. And <laughs> what do you know? They score the eventual game winner. Yeah. Um, so, uh, rightly or wrongly, Vertanen was taking some heat for that. And after the game, though, he was pretty critical of the refs and thought they were a bit pro-Finn, that he didn't like some of the calls. Like, e- even if the refereeing wasn't at its best, at the end of the day, the phantom trip isn't what cost Canada the game. It was yeah. the penalty he took after that phantom trip because... The Finns didn't score until after the first penalty he took had expired, and they were into the second part of his penalty, which was the unnecessary slash. And he admitted that was emotion getting the better of him. And the difference between this year's team and and, and in years past, um, I think Canada was able to control their emotions when it really mattered. And unfortunately, in this case. They didn't do a good enough job of that, and it cost them. Like, they took nine trips to the sin bin against Finland. And this is a team that was 8 for 16 in the power play after round-robin play. And you take nine trips to the sin bin, you're fortunate they only score twice, but the second time they score ends up costing you the most. And Um. that's what really kind of really upset me about the Canadians is Dave Lowry said they deserved a better fate. They probably did. Unfortunately... The penalties bit them, and and it's 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 the sad but true reality. Um, yeah, their lack of discipline cost them. Uh, so tomorrow, uh, Sweden plays Finland, and the Russia plays USA for the semis. Um, yeah, hate to cut you off there, but uh, <laughs> uh, so um. Uh, Finland has uh, Jesse Puljujarvi, and I don't know how to pronounce the name. I'm Jesse Puljujarvi, yeah, he made. Did you see that Sebastian pass on, on that five-four uh, goal? Like right through, like right through the defenseman's legs, blue line to blue line. Wow, uh, yeah. This guy has some serious skill. Yeah, uh, gotta, uh, uh, Swedes got to watch out for him. Uh, yeah, so Puljujarvi, Sebastian Aho, and yeah. Patrick Lane are all on the scoring leaders for Finland. Yep. Um, Austin Matthews is also there. Uh, Nylander is apparently won't play for uh, Sweden. So his little brother Alex is doing well, though. Yeah. Um, so, 
Um, and then uh, Austin Matthews, uh, Colin White, Matt Kachuk, Zach yeah. Wierenski are also there. Uh, Brendan Carlo looked good. Uh, David Pasternak looked good for the check um, when he was playing, but um, wasn't uh, good enough, I guess. Um, and then, um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to predict what's going what's going to happen, but I would say I think Finland might actually win the gold, and it'll be USA getting the silver. Um, <clears throat> with maybe, like, Russia getting the bronze. Um, that would be my prediction. I don't think Russia gets anything. Like, they almost had a heart attack against Denmark. Uh, um, I don't know if you saw the game. With just under six minutes left in regulation, scores tied at two. Uh, the Danish had previously taken a two-to-one lead. Russians, Russians tied it. And then a few minutes later, Denmark retakes the lead. Russia's in desperation mode in the final minute. They pull their goalie. With 44 seconds left, I'll be darned. The Russians take advantage of a lucky break in front of the Danish crease. Uh, Vladislav Kamenev cleans up the mess and ties the game at three. Russia dominated the extra frame as expected, and Kamenev is your overtime hero. But barely, by the skin of their teeth, they got past a team that a couple of years ago was just fighting not to get relegated. That, uh, like, I'll give full props to Denmark. But if you're the Americans, yeah, you're seeing red, and you see a very beatable team. Yeah, because Russia out he outshot Denmark, and it wasn't even close. Like they were out shooting them two to one, and they were 44 seconds away from getting bounced. You're right. Um, so I, I don't think Russia gets anything. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. The knockout rounds. It's a different story. Um, uh. Who do you, you think is going to win the play. whole thing? In, in 2012, the gold medal game in Sweden, they win in overtime. Yeah. With the turning in Helsinki this time around, Sweden is going to do is going to be eager to do two things: one, get payback, and two, punch their ticket to the gold medal. I think they'll do both. And um, the U.S. dumping the Czechs seven nothing in the quarterfinals. Given what the Czechs had, they had Devils prospect Pavel Zaka, the Bruins prospect David Pasternak, as you just mentioned. Um, I didn't think they beat them that handily. Um, so who do you think's going to win? I think, I think the Americans are really going to get the Russians a tough time. So like I said, the Russians are going to get nothing. So by default, that means America versus Sweden in the gold medal game. Oh, well. I'm not going to say who wins. Okay. Um, I have USA, Finland. Although I will say it's kind of cool that you have like two country rivalries with Finland and Sweden and USA, yeah. Russia in the semis. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that should be something to look forward to if you guys have time on Monday. Um, I don't know exactly what time it is Eastern, but, um. I think it'll probably be in the late morning hours, like 10, 11, maybe yeah. Because I'm on the World Junior site right now, and it says six, the Sweden-Finland game is on 16.00 GMT, which I'm not sure what GMT, what time that means. And then the USA Russia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the USA Russia is on at twenty GMT plus two. I don't know what that means. So, um, I think that means it'll probably be on later for us, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, it might be in early morning. Um, all right. It, it depends because like Canada's round robin games, they were like at twelve thirty, uh, and I think Finland and Sweden uh, are. I think. 
the Scandinavian countries are a good couple hours ahead of us, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So they're probably right. playing that game at around like maybe five, six, or seven at night, or maybe even okay. four o'clock. So yeah, if it's a night game, then I'll, I'll probably be able to watch I them. I don't imagine it'll be too, too late. The, the latest yeah. it would be probably Ottawa time would probably be in Ottawa the early time. afternoon hours. So. <laughs> it's funny how you say Ottawa time. It's Eastern time, yeah. but yeah. Um, <laughs> That's Ottawa time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Ottawa time or Eastern time, uh, we'll, we'll talk about another team that's uh, hot in our in the Atlantic Division. Uh, the Florida Panthers have won nine straight, which is a yeah. franchise record. They just won today, two uh, one. They beat the Wilds uh, earlier. Uh, today um, and uh, yeah, it's with the help of uh, Luongo. You said that you had uh, you had a thing about their like um, their uh, free agency or their management. Well, they had they made some organizational moves and nothing too major. Just keeping what they already have. A Dale Town, their GM. Um, they signed him to a three-year extension, according to reports. And then a few days later, they uh, re-signed head coach Gerard Gallant to a two-year contract extension. Um, and at the end of the 2015 part of this year, as I me- as you mentioned, they are top the Atlantic Division standings, and they still are. Yeah. Um, in case you don't remember, Dale Talon, he won um, the first of the three Stanley Cups with the Chicago Blackhawks. He was their GM at the time. Uh, finalist for the NHL's Executive of the Year Award in 2012, after putting together a roster that won the franchise's first ever division title, this happened before realignment. So this was in the old division with Tampa and Carolina and Washington. Uh, for those who don't remember how good they were last year, the Panthers went from a 66-point team in 2013-2014 to a 91-point club that challenged for a playoff spot until the final days of the regular season. Um, Talon has been able to blend a good mix of players, young and old, um, getting a pair of Calder Trophy winners through the draft and Jonathan Huberto and Aaron Ekblad, and somehow convincing a guy like Jeremy Yager to come in, make an impact, and be a leader for an under-the-radar NHL franchise that isn't so under-the-radar anymore because he also made the mother load of all trades and acquired reacquired Roberto Luongo from the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, you look at Gerard Gallant's resume during his short time in Florida, 59 wins actually make it 60 wins. 41 losses, and 10 overtime shootout losses. Um, Like you said, nine-game winning streak. um, Now first in the Atlantic Division. Um, In December, they went 11-3-0 to post their third-best month in terms of winning percentage in franchise history. Um, They have the foundation to be a successful franchise for several years down the road. And if they can get a couple of pieces, and if they can get some more experience... They could not only be a consistent playoff contender, perhaps if Luongo is able to hold, uh, is is able to maintain this high level of play, they could be a Stanley Cup contender in a couple of years. And a lot of people might think I'm crazy when I say that, but I really think this team is going to cause the Eastern Conference a lot of headaches. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, the Panthers look impressive. I know that uh, Bukestag uh, has just recovered from uh, injury, too. Yeah, so, um, so they they get him back, which is what makes this uh, streak even more impressive. Is the fact that they didn't even have one of their best players 
available. And And also what makes this impressive is uh, Luongo and Yamir Yager, who are two of like the oldest players in the league right now. And they're like basically leading the team right now and all this stuff. So uh, they're, you know, they're, they're both probably going to be in the hall of fame. Yager definitely, I'm, I'm not sure if Luongo will be, probably will be, um, I'd say. Um, but yeah, it's it's impressive for what they're doing. Um, Alright, so let's go to uh, teams and players that need to do more in 2016. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you had a, I mean, I guess you had more on this, but from me, I'm thinking... Uh, well, I guess the Blue Jackets, um, they're not doing as well as expected. The Penguins aren't doing as well as expected, although they've won a lot lately. Um, the Ducks, I think they're, although I think the Ducks are now 500. Um, John Tavares has been low. in the weakest division. They, they're like three points behind, uh, second place... I think it's Vancouver right now, or third place Vancouver. Um, yeah. I've, I've actually got it uh, here in just one sec. Three points behind second place Arizona, that's it. And yeah. remember, Arizona was arguably one of the front runners for Austin Matthews, and they're still playing without Mike Smith and goal for right. a considerable amount of time. But here's the kicker. They're only two points ahead of the last place Edmonton Oilers. So they better be careful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, uh, the Blue Jackets need to do more, jo- uh, if we're talking about players, I know you probably have a lot on your list too, so, yeah. um, I would say, uh, John Tavares hasn't been up to what he usually is, Crosby is getting there, um, as we'll talk about him just a little bit later, um, uh, what else, uh, Rick Nash, the Rangers have been struggling lately as a whole, I should include them as a team. He's one of those on and off players. Yeah. Like I, I really don't know what to expect from him anymore. Um. Yeah. And then um. Yeah, I think those would be. uh, John Tavares has hasn't been as good as what he's expected. Uh, Voris, Czech, and uh, Giroux. Yeah. Pretty much everyone in the uh, in the Metropolitan. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, uh, I don't know what what are your list of teams and players that need to do better. Well, remember when More. I was drooling about the idea of putting Brandon Sod and Ryan Johansson on the same line? Yep. Well, that's quickly disappeared. <laughs> uh, Sod might have recorded 16 goals in 29 games. Yeah, Sod's that been good. All, that isn't all that bad. Yeah, Sod's been I good. I expected a lot more from him in, in the early stages of the regular season. And so far, he hasn't delivered. And I still expect more from him uh, come 2016 because he, he really needs to step up his game a little bit. They're relying yeah. on him to be more than just... You know, a second or third line guy in the Blackhawks. They're wanting him to be one but of the I, guys. But I believe he's, I think he's had like a point in every game or even more points um, in the, this week. Like I think he's. He's starting to turn around. Yeah, okay. he's starting to turn around. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you could say the same for every Blue Jacket player. Like Johansson yeah, needs to turn it up. Saw needs to turn up. Johansson Like he's. Yeah. Six goals and 20 points in yeah. 37 games played. In, so uh, six goals last year, 33 the year before that. And here's the kicker. Derek Broussard has registered 28 points. And I'm not knocking Broussard. He's a pretty good player. 
But Johansson, I think you would agree, he has a lot more upside career-wise than Broussard does. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm looking here. So Brandon Saad has... He had two goals in his last game against the Capitals. Yeah. Um, and then he has he had one goal against uh, the Dallas, one goal against Florida. And so in his last four games, he's had uh, six points, um, four goals um, in his last three games. So I'm glad he's yeah, doing, he's, he's doing glad pretty he's well. Really me wrong, at least. I hate yeah. to be right in these certain situations. <laughs> um, but Voracek is also on my list. He's the guy who's yep. only got four goals in thirty-seven games. Jonathan Huberto only scored four goals in thirty-eight games. Right. I like he's not known as a goal scorer, but this is like his what his third or fourth season in the league. I I, I thought he was going to make a, a as far as goal scoring is concerned. I expected a bit more from him this year. Um. So we'll see how the second half treats him. Um. Tampa Bay. As far as teams need to do better in 2016, they're at the top of my list. Um, when you're coming off a trip to the Cup Finals and you look at the talent they have up front on the blue line between the pipes everywhere, even in the management office, it's easy to see why expectations surrounding this team are so high. Um, and again, like you mentioned, the Blue Jackets. They aren't going to make the playoffs this year, but for goodness sake, yeah. start playing like a team and don't get shut out on, this, on the shot clock like every 10 or 12 periods. Um and the Ducks have to be better, as you mentioned. Like yep. They're in one of the weakest divisions in hockey. That's one thing they have going for them. But they are two points away from being at the very bottom of the pack. And when you have teams like Calgary and Edmonton in that division, that's not really saying much. Even <laughs> though you're battling for a playoff spot and you're still in the hunt, you're, you're not looking all that good. But Gibson at least is playing well for them, and that's definitely reassuring for their goaltending situation. But... Freddie Anderson, I don't know, he, he, he's, he's, he's looking, I'm not saying he's looking, um, you know, like trade bait, but he's looking pretty expendable right now, the way Gibson's been playing. Yeah, uh, yeah Freddie Anderson needs to come back if he wants to keep his job, although I think, I think he's trade bait. I give him a shot, because I, I think he's off the IR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, he is. Gibson's just been on a roll, and I don't blame him, you know, with the hot end. Right, of course. Um... All right, so we don't have. Oh yeah, I have to give a plug to our uh, Twitter account. Lay some up. Uh, lay some. It's lay some podcast at lay our Twitter. Podcast, yeah. Our email is laceupbag at gmail dot com. If you um, don't want to hear us ramble about our topics, we yeah. more than welcome your questions. Yeah. Um. And then um. Yeah. Of course. If you if you have any questions, if you even if you want to show support or give us any critiques. Uh, uh, just email us. Um, yeah. and, uh, we also have a Facebook page. Oh, yeah, we also have our Facebook page, at least some podcast uh, Facebook page. Um, Lace, I think it is, yeah. So we have we have about five minutes left for an uh, to being an hour show, but um, we'll um, so we're just gonna we have a couple of topics that we should cover, and then we also have this your send segment. Um, yeah. but, um, so let's just do this rapid fire with our honorable mentions or rapid fire. I guess we'll call it rapid fire. So yeah. John Scott, Yager, Ovechkin, and Kane are the all-star captains. The rest of the all-stars are announced on Wednesday. I guess, um, 
he, uh, the conspiracy to keep John Scott out of the game by sending him down to the AHL didn't end up working. No. So, yeah, it said that uh, Scott plans to play. Uh, Yager was joking on Twitter saying that he's not, he's not afraid that he might die of three-on-three. He's afraid of John fighting John Scott on a three-on-three, which is funny. I, I, I've seen a lot of critiques that, like, it's like, yeah, this is more of a vote-in from John Scott's point of view, is that it's more of like a, it's more of like a screw you to the NHL for allowing a fan vote. Because it's not like you're getting in because he's a likable guy. If you if you don't believe me, like ask any Toronto Maple Leafs fan who liked Phil Kessel or like um, he also cheap shotted Louis Erickson a couple of years ago too. So he's not like the most lovable guy. But um, um, so they they really just wanted to see the worst player in the NHL play at like a in a competition like this where it's. Um, where it's like grueling and whatnot, um, yeah. but I mean, I, I, if, if you don't need, to, if you want, if you don't want to take our word for it, just look at his stat line: two hundred and eighty-five yeah. NHL that games too. played for seven NHL teams, <laughs> five goals, eleven points, yep, five hundred and forty-two penalty minutes, and a few stints in the American Hockey. Yeah, League. I mean, it's 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 fine for me because I like, I don't care. I think the He's going to be in the Pacific, so he's going to be playing. They're going to be playing the Central, and they'll probably lose anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not that big of a deal, but it's still like um, I'm glad that he's at least uh, you know at least he's in good spirits about it. But um, well, the, the fans are, are taking advantage of the voting system while they yeah. still have it because they know it's not going to be around for much longer. No, it's and, not. And all I know is, as you mentioned, if the NHL had any chance to keep John Scott out of the All Star Game festivities this year. They missed the boat a long time ago. The fans not only vote the guy in, they name him a captain. Yeah. They obviously want to see him in the big game, and this decision left little doubt, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, Drew, uh, was Jonathan Duran, who is the third-round pick in 2012, I want to say. I think it was 2012. Yeah, I think it might have been, yeah. Uh, it might have been 2013. I think it's 2012. Uh, yeah, he was sent down to the AHL for Syracuse. Uh, to Syracuse, uh, and then uh, it was word out today that he demanded a trade. He demands a trade out of Tampa. So now Tampa, that had uh, such a big uh, future ahead of them, now have two players in Stamkos and Drouin who are making a big deal off the ice in terms of their contract and stuff. Um, I was I, I was reading online as well on this for Drouin is that apparently he has attitude issues. Um, like he wouldn't, like even when he was back at Halifax, like he wouldn't sign, uh, for fans or something like that. And he's just, yeah. And he, um, he didn't take it well when like Cooper wouldn't give him ice time. Um, so like there might be something that's just like actually off with him. But, uh, that being said, he may get a lot of, uh, interest from other teams. Um, well, just there, because of that potential. There's three teams that are, have been contacted about Jonathan Drouin, and apparently, according to the score.com, Ottawa Senators are on that list. So I'm just thinking, okay, <laughs> um, if we're going to get it could be get Ben Bishop back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could be like a oh, another one of those Kyle Turris situations where, yeah. like, 
you know, he may actually... he may eventually just the the amount of ice time was actually a factor, and once he gets more ice time, he'll be fine. But yeah. um, I don't I don't see I don't see Tampa Bay trading him. I don't see them trading him at all because I feel like it's just like he's just being a poor sport. Um, yeah. But like, if 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 they're going to trade him, they're not going to trade him in the in his division in their division. Yeah, like when when you look at the amount of time he spent on Tampa's injured reserve this year too, it's not entirely his fault in that respect. Right. But the fact that he has, according to his agent, asked for a trade is enough to get him on the list of people that I would also like to expect uh, more of in twenty sixteen. Yeah, uh, because in his rookie season with the Mooseheads, he scored seven goals in thirty three games. In 89 NHL games, he's only scored six goals. Well, the good news is when the Mooseheads made the playoffs that same year where he scored seven goals, he scored nine goals and 26 points in 17 playoff games. And the two years that followed, he averaged over 25 goals and 100 points in each of the following two seasons. Um, this kid can dominate. He knows he can. He knows he doesn't need a conditioning stint to prove that. And the fact he's requested a, a, a trade out of Tampa, a team that's one of the most balanced offensive threats in this league, you can tell this guy wants a bigger challenge. He wants to show everyone what he's made of. And I'm totally fine with that. But if he gets his wish, he better be ready to back it up. Yeah, that's true. And I think, like I was thinking about this, like the, Bru- well, the Bruins have a lot of other issues to deal with other than forward depth. But I was thinking about that too. It's kind of, um, it kind of reminds me back to um, like Sagan or something where like there was reported attitude issues, so you need to get rid of him. So it would be like, you know, maybe he needs a change of scenery, but it looks like this this guy actually has attitude issues. I don't know. Um, you think Montreal maybe, maybe uh, asked? Yeah, um, I could see that too. Again, because he was, Isn't he French? So yeah, maybe getting, maybe getting closer to home might help him. Yeah, maybe. Um, that's possible, too. Uh, I was thinking maybe he could go to Colorado to be with yeah. McKinnon, uh, his homeboy. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if that would work out either. Um, but, yeah, w- we'll see, I guess, of course. If uh, news breaks out, we'll let you know. I don't actually think they're going to treat him because he just has too much potential. Um, yeah. To begin with, but I mean, if the coach doesn't want to play him, uh, the coach doesn't want to play him. You know, I I, I think he 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 needs to get his groove back because he doesn't yeah. have it right now. True. Um. Yeah, and and that's, that's that's the real he, issue. That's why the conditioning stint. Yeah, that's the real I issue. I think he's growing tired of waiting for a shot. He wants it now. Yeah, and I think that's why he asked for the trade. Yeah. Well, apparently he asked for it in November, not. Mm. So I don't know. Um. Uh, Boychuk is out. It's unclear for how long, but that's a bad thing for the Islanders, of course. Um, I don't know. Just stop me if you have anything for these. Uh, Dale Weiss is out in five for five to ten games. You, if you were talking about the Winter Just Classic, they get Gallagher back. They yeah, lose another go. one of their go to the net guys. You can score. Yeah, goal. although Gallagher is better than Weiss, so yeah. <laughs> on, he's got more upside than Weiss, but Weiss has been a pretty big player. For yeah. Um, John, I miss him a little bit. Gibson had back-to-back shutouts. He's playing right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, it looks like he's he's just taking the lead of the starter position right now. 
Um, yeah, in when, Anaheim. when they tell you when they signed you, Dolan Gibson is still their go-to goalie. Right. He's screwing it right now. <laughs> um, yeah, he is. It's right now. It's 2-0 Anaheim. Um, so they he's still, they're playing Winnipeg. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's still, um, he's still doing well. Um, Crosby has five goals in his last five games. He had two goals last night, um, and, uh, seven points overall. So he's finally back to normal. Um, maybe the new coach actually helped him out, um, We'll see. I, I think I think the best players find a way to break uh, out of yeah. long scoring slumps, and I think he's he's, yeah. he's finally broken out of it. That too. It's not a surprise that Crosby's been doing well. He'll it's 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 a fun thing now where you're like, oh okay, he's back. He's uh, he find we finally figured out what ailed him. Uh, Jack Eichel has two goals and three assists this week, and he tie he's tied for rookies uh the rookie lead in points. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, so, which is interesting too, cause he had like kind of a slow start for rookies where he would just score goals and now he's doing assists too. So, um, it yeah. looks like he's doing, he's going back to it. I think that, that speaks volume to his confidence level too. I think yeah. he's getting adjusted to the NHL style. Yeah, that game against the Bruins was crucial for him when he had yeah, four Yeah, games. I think that really kickstarted it. Unfortunately for me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then, so since we talked about the Bruins earlier in the pod episode, I'm not going to uh, rant and rave about them now. So now it's your turn to talk about the Sens, Steve. Well, <laughs> as I alluded to in episode 12, the Sens are in tough against the Blackhawks. Again, that's in progress as we're chatting right now. Yeah, uh, Chicago is. A if you want an update, team. I don't think you'll like it, but uh, they were down one nothing at last check. I, oh I, yeah, it's I, uh, it's three nothing Chicago. It's a, oh, it's a final. Oh, it's a final now. Yeah. yeah. So they got shut up back to back games. Uh, yep. The Blackhawks, not surprisingly, but the Devils. They laid an egg against <laughs> the New Jersey oh, that Devils. Oh, nice. Well, Corey, Croft, Corey Schneider is a good goalie, but yeah, it's he is, not great. He is, but it's outside of him and Camilleri, yeah. and maybe at times Paul Marion Stepniak, New Jersey is is an average team at best, but uh, you, you, you got <laughs> to beat teams like New Jersey. Uh, you got to beat teams in your division, and while they did that against the Bruins on the Sunday, they gave up seven. Um, against Boston, the second half of the home-and-home. The same Bruins they're going to play on January 9th. And then tomorrow they got the St. Louis Blues, another team that's good at home. And then they host Florida before they face the Bruins, who currently leads um, the Atlantic Division and is in the middle of that nine-game winning streak, which could easily become 10 between now and then. And then after that, they head to Washington, and then the dreaded Death Valley road trip that somehow saved their season, but uh, in the past has caused them problems. So, again, another key part of the schedule that's even more important after they laid an egg against New Jersey, gave up seven against Boston. Now that they've gotten shut up by the Blackhawks, 3 nothing, um, and the fact that they're out of the playoff picture, they, they need to beat some of these good teams, and... Against St. Louis, that's going to be a pretty tough test. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's uh, the Atlantic Division is uh, very tight right now. So with uh, yeah. Florida, as we just mentioned, Montreal, as we just mentioned, Bruins, um, and now it's uh, not, yeah. not going to be this tight forever. And Florida knows yeah. that, and they're gaining ground. While yeah, teams like Ottawa are, are falling a bit flat there. Right, and I think Tampa is uh, is getting hot too. So yeah, they beat Minnesota in a shootout yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. And Toronto, Toronto is like the best, not uh, the best worst team in the NHL right now. Where like they're actually yeah, they, beat, they beat St. Louis too. Yeah, the they beat Dallas twice. A bit like the good yeah. that we've seen in the past. So. They beat Dallas twice. They beat um, St. Louis. They beat St. Louis twice. Yeah. Yeah, they beat um, they beat another good team too recently. Um, but yeah, they've, they've looked good too, so it's, um, should be interesting. This is around the time where you have to actually start thinking about the playoffs and what teams are going to be doing and whatnot. So, um, yeah, um, so this is a critical time for both our teams, um, right now. But, um, all right, so I think that's it. Um, I think we covered every topic for, uh, today. We did, yeah. Uh, with... An hour and eight minutes, which is uh, woo. A lot, a lot, a lot better than a lot, a lot more time consuming than previous podcasts. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we will see you in episode fourteen of the Lace Podcast. Yeah, see you.